Welcome to the Philly Adcast, informing and engaging the advertising community. Powered by Center City Film and Video and the Philly Ad Club. Here's your host, Bjorn Henriquez. Welcome to another episode of the Philly Adcast with this month's guest, Unclaimed Diamond's own Matthew Selby. How you doing today, Matthew? Hi, how are you? How you doing, Mr. Enriquez? I'm well, I'm well. I'm so happy to to have you here with such an iconic brand in, in, in the marketplace. Uh, Thank uh, you. And, uh, you know, we, we have a relationship, but we've never got a chance to really sit down and uncover things, so I'm really looking forward to, to, to digging in. Outstanding. So am I. Great, great. So, Thanks for having me, by the way. Oh, 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 my pleasure. Thanks for making time. So let's begin at the beginning. Well, Most people do not know. I didn't know. Started in 1914 by your great-grandfather. Well, my, uh, my great-grandfather came over from Russia, and uh, originally he, uh, he settled in Maine, in Portland, Maine, and he moved his family down to Philadelphia, and he opened up a, uh, what I call a variety store at, at 8th and Arch. And he sold jewelry, he sold luggage and, uh, and knickknacks and, you know, all types of things to, to anybody, to anything. He lived above his store. My grandfather grew up in his business and became enamored with the jewelry aspect of the business. And uh, in turn, as most immigrants did in those days, you followed in your family's footsteps. Um, and because, uh, you know, college wasn't available to him. Uh, so he went into the family business, started selling jewelry. Um, time went on. He had a successful business, had three children. Um, my father was born. Um, uh, I, you know, I was born of my father and my mother, obviously. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my father, not wanting to get into the jewelry business, went into social work. So it it skipped a generation. He worked for him as a young man. It skipped a generation. But as a young man growing up in Center City, Philadelphia, my grandfather had a store at uh, 15th and Randstead called Bond Jewelers. And uh, the the story behind that is it used to be a tailor shop. And in those days, um, it was very expensive to change change signage and whatnot. And in the concrete, it said Bond uh, in front of the store. So... He just left the word Bond <laughs> and said, we're going to call it Bond Jewelers instead of Bond Tailors. Right, right. So that's where that came about. And uh, the business became incorporated. Uh, at any rate, as a young man, I would always hang by the store. You know, always come by, say hello, and, you know, go behind the counter and look at things. And I, I became enamored with um, not so, so much the, the jewelry aspect, of, but just interacting with people. You know, I love talking to people. I loved the the art of uh, marketing and selling and what that entailed. And uh, so as time went on, um, I, I spent a year at Temple University and uh, that didn't work out for me. There, was, there wasn't enough money for me to go at the time. So I started working for other jewelers and, uh, and, and that went well. And my father, my grandfather had long retired and uh, some 30 some years ago, he calls me up and says, let's start a little costume jewelry store. So we started that. We worked at that a few years and uh, me starting to uh, feel my sense of myself. I wanted more. You know, I wanted to grow. And right. and uh, and him as a as a much older man at this time uh, did not want to grow. He I'm was sure complacent. There was generational conflict. There, there was absolutely <laughs> generational conflict. So I had to go out on my own. You know, I, I had to go out on my own. And now um, 
I, I bought the business from him as it was. And uh, a few months later, the woman who owned the building said, you're out. Uh, we're selling the building oh, wow. and you're going to have to move. So uh, as anybody in business would know, without a location, you have no business. You know, and in those days, there was no Internet. Yeah. Uh, it was nothing. So you needed a physical brick-and-mortar location. Fortunately, a few doors down, there was an, uh, uh, an abandoned store. And um, I had no money at the time. I had $3,500 on a credit card. So I, uh, I, I called a contractor up, and I said, listen, I need your goodwill. You know, I want to open up this store. I have no money, but I need you to get started. And uh, he quoted a price, and I said, well, I got $3,500 for you. Uh, and I know that, what you said, right. but I have. <laughs> this is what I have. I need you to build this store on good faith, and, and I will pay you as I move along. And, and uh, he took that opportunity. He took oh, that great. chance. Uh, he built the store. I took all the money off my credit card, which everybody knows is a no-no. Right. <laughs> but, but I had to do that at the time. And uh and I got in there, and uh, and I and I started selling jewelry. And and at first, obviously, it was costume jewelry. Mm-hmm. And little by little, I would make purchases of of gold and and diamond jewelry. And uh, I, I put a big sign out in front of the store: "We buy." And I would buy uh, jewelry off the street and try and uh, get some revenue that way. And um, little by little, the store grew. And uh, and obviously, I was able to pay the contractor back. And what I found was, in the very beginning, is customers would come in and they didn't have much money, you know, themselves. You know, they were Mm -hmm. like, well, I like this diamond ring for $500, but I only have $500 on me. Uh, Can I lay it away? And I said, absolutely, you know, you can lay it away. And that's something my grandfather had done. And um, so people would lay jewelry away and over time, and I would find that as... people and human nature being what it is and business being what it is, people would default. Mm -hmm. People would make a few payments. They wouldn't come back in. We would call them up, send a letter to their house, no response. So I would now offer that jewelry to uh, another customer for whatever the balance was. In time, you know, people would start to tell other folks and people would come in and say, um, hey, a friend of mine told me about that unclaimed jewelry you have. You know, mm. and uh, can I take a look at that? And uh, this went on for a couple years. And uh, after a couple years, I said, well, you know what? Bond jewelers really isn't that important. I mean, as a, as a corporation, great. It, right. it's, a, it's a good name. It's a strong name. But in terms of identifying my business, it no longer worked. And what was working was unclaimed jewelry or, in essence, unclaimed diamonds and an unclaimed diamonds was born out of uh, a a consumer need out of what my customers wanted what they came to me for Um, it very descriptive and uh, so it really uh, I I would love to say was something I invented in the sense that sure this is what I offered you know but the consumer demanded this they requested this and so why not call your business exactly what the consumer is looking for? Right. And, and as an entrepreneur, you're, you're in a space where you, you, you eat what you kill, right? Exactly. You're, you're really out there. It's not like you're the marketing representative for another company. You know, this is your business. Correct. What, uh, how was it taking that risk of going from a known business in the community that's been around for so long as Bond to making that leap to 
rebranding, in a sense, to unclaimed diamonds? Uh, very good question. Um, there is fear in that. There is, there is uh, a great comfort in what is known. And we all have that. Right. You know, we all are comfortable in what we do day to day and, and how we live our lives and uh, what is safe. And, uh, and going with the name Unclaimed Diamonds is, uh, was a leap of faith. Uh, but it was something that I had to take. Um, I had come from um, really humble beginnings, and I had nothing to lose, really, mm. at that point. The power of um, broke. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and hunger. You know, I, I was hungry, and I was hungry to prove myself. I was hungry to make something of my life. Um, and, you know, I figured, you know, you can, you can always go back down the ladder. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If it doesn't work, take a step back, reevaluate, and move forward again. Right. Um, so it wasn't like I was this huge business where I was making lots of money, where I was Amazon, and now I was going to call myself something else, you know. Granted, I had a name in the marketplace, but it wasn't so substantial that the the risk of uh, losing identity was going to be that detrimental, at okay. least in my mind. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah. So, so in that in that rebranding, it's it's interesting. I think of uh, uh, communications and, and marketing courses I've, I've taken in college, or or things that you read in the Harvard Business Review, and and getting to know your story. Even though you you were doing it from the aspect of survival, it was the it was the right move in terms of aligning everything with your customers' needs to the to the brand message. Exactly, and, and everything was in in line. Um, so, do you remember the the first ad that you that you ran under the new name of Unclaimed Diamonds? Yes, I do, and and and, and I will say this. Uh, any successful business should be very conscientious of their customer. It's all about the customer. It, it has nothing to do with me personally, my agenda. It's the consumer's agenda. And if you keep your eyes and ears open, your customer will dictate the path you need to take mm -hmm. or should take in business. You, you have to be aware of that because um, without the consumer, there is no me. There is no unclaimed diamond. So it's really about meeting their needs, their expectations uh, in, in business. Um, right. That being said, you know, being a jewelry store and, and jewelry being a, you know, quote unquote luxury item, my, my first uh, ad was in a, um, a parking lot um, um, lit up, backlit, uh, advertising what we call a light box oh, that you wow. would see in bus stations mm -hmm. and subway stations. And it was an overly stylized uh, cardboard box um, that was an illustration that had diamonds flowing out of them. Oh, wow. Like all bubbling out, cascading uh, out of the box with the name Unclaimed Diamonds. And it was very rich and very graphically uh, rich. Um, and it was a dud. It was a, <laughs> it was a total failure. And, and the reason why is because the, the imagery did not m mesh with my consumer. And so, and just what I said earlier, it didn't meet the needs or the sentiment of the consumer that was coming into my store. It met my sentiment and mm. what I thought the brand should be right. or should dictate to the consumer. 
but it didn't meet the consumer's expectations. And valuable that's why, lesson. Valuable lesson, and that's why it was a failure. Hmm. So, so even though you 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 got you had that failure in your first step in advertising, what did you realize it was a misstep? And because most people say, "Hey, I tried advertising and it didn't work." Right. So, did, did you just realize, "Hey, I just I have the right idea, I just executed." Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I, I, I again, uh, I took a step back and I said, "Well, why didn't this work?" And I went back to the consumer. I listened to the customer. What is the customer saying to me? What are they asking for? What are they looking for? Well, they're looking for engagement rings. They're obviously looking for unclaimed items. They're looking for things that people had put on layaway and never picked up, hence unclaimed. They're looking for things that are discounted, that are less than retail. And so the strategy became unclaimed diamonds, uh, jewelry uh, items, diamonds, gold and platinum, which people put on layaway, Mm -hmm. never claimed. You, the customer, only pay the balance due. Stop paying retail prices for your diamond and gold jewelry. And hence, that became the message. The message was really a culmination from the consumer's needs and wants. That's that's interesting because it's different than saying, hey, I have cheaper products. Correct. You're saying, come get a deal. Yes, come you get know? a deal. And, and, and no matter how much money you have, you're interested in a deal. Exactly. You know? I don't care if you're rich, <laughs> poor, or otherwise. Everybody wants a deal. A deal, exactly. exactly. That's fantastic. So... Uh, so how did the, the, the famous unclaimed diamonds, the, the, the saying, how did that originate? Well, after the, uh, the, uh, the print ad uh, that didn't work, I, I thought I have to reach a, a wider audience. And that print ad was, was local. And I, and I thought, you know, what better way than to reach people than by radio? Um, so I looked at radio, and I looked at the, the radio that my consumer was listening to, and at the time, uh, WDAS was, uh, was the viable product for me. Um, uh, Clear Channel, iHeartRadio at mm-hmm. the time, or we called it WDAS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, going back in the day. The powerhouse. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that was a, uh, an outlet for me. And so uh, I had to formulate a radio message. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to have what we call a moniker. I had to have a, a catch. I had to have something that would be uh, recognizable, something that would stick and stay. And uh, one day I'm in my office at home and I'm thinking and, I'm, and, I, and I already know that I am the store that sells unclaimed diamonds. And I, I am that store. And I'm thinking about how can I convey that to a wide audience that is going to be meaningful. And uh, I just shouted out, Unclaimed Diamonds. <laughs> and that was it. And, and where did I get that from? I got it from Unclaimed Freight. Right, oh, okay. Unclaimed Freight had, had ceased advertising, but it was, a, it was a, uh, a brand and a way of delivery that was very recognizable to right. the general public. And it had been a Philadelphia and Delaware Valley mainstay for uh, clearly a generation, right? And so I, uh, I had built-in brand recognition. Um, I would love to say I invented, you know, <laughs> that, but I took something that was there and was a proven commodity, and I improved upon it and made it my own. Right. 
Right. And um, and in the book, uh, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, they there's a, a law, I forget if it's two or three, but talking about being the first in the market. Correct. Or being the power of being first. Where you weren't necessarily first with that. No. But you improved upon it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, everybody wants to be number one. Everybody wants to say, I did this first or I did that first. doesn't matter. Uh, most first people in any marketplace fail. Um, surely Unclaimed Freight had a great success and they were in the marketplace for a long time and their business ran its course. Mm-hmm. Um, the word unclaimed diamonds directly came out of my own consumer's need of my product. Had right. nothing, I never even thought of unclaimed freight right. until I thought of the marketing aspect of it. So I, I certainly don't want to say that my name was derived from them. Mm-hmm. Um, that is purely by coincidence. But I do give them credit for establishing that. Now, why, if that's already an established um, moniker, if that's already established, why, out of my own ego, mm-hmm. would I not want to Use that, right? You know, for 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 pride. No, use it. They did it first. It worked. They already established. Why change that? Right. right. And and that's the 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 difference between an entrepreneur looking at things where the business lives or dies with you, than maybe someone in a position that was you know with another company may have a little bit more of a luxury to say. Uh, okay, you know, that's a great idea, but we won't use that or for ego or, or what have you. So, no, that's that's fantastic. You must take ego out of the equation. And uh, I always say as, as uh, only as desperate as the dying can be. <laughs> and uh, when you need to feed your baby, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And yeah. your baby's hungry and your baby's crying, you're going to do what you need to do. Definitely. Right. Okay, so you've established a, a brand that that is one of the most prominent in the in the in the region. I appreciate that. In terms of uh, recognition, if if I ever say unclaimed diamonds, people know immediately. Correct. What it is, and in talking about ego, it's one of the brands that isn't really uh, um, connected or associated with your personal brand and who Matthew is. Correct. You know where we, you know, in terms of uh, when you go into the field of law or. Any other industry, sometimes that that company and that person, we see it a lot in the, the, the car dealers. It's, mm-hmm. it's very symbiotic in terms of that relationship with the, the brand and the owner. Correct. Do, do you purposely try to keep that separate? That is a great question, and that has been one of my mantras my entire career. I never wanted to be the star of my business, and, 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 I, and I saw that uh, with my grandfather. I saw that with people that I had worked for. They were tied down to their business uh, when and, and being a small business and being basically a mom and pop jewelry store, I didn't want to be in a position where when, when a customer would come into my store, they only wanted to see me, mm. that, that Matthew was going to be the deal maker. I wanted to make Unclaimed Diamonds the star. The store is the star. The store mm. is the brand. It has nothing to do with me. Um, again, keep my ego out of it. You know, uh, it's my store anyway. So, (laughs) (laughs) so why do I need to be up front and center? Let my staff be the star. Let them be the the ones that people come in and see. So this way, if I choose to be on the floor and I choose to work the floor and, 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 and help a consumer out, great. I'm just part of a team. Right. You know, I may own the store on paper, but in reality, the reason why Unclaimed Diamonds has always worked so well 
is that um, we do things by committee. It isn't my way or the highway. We have staff meetings. We talk about ideas. We talk about merchandising and marketing. And, uh, and I draw from, from everybody. You know, how do we want to proceed? How do we want to do this? So if I was the star of this store, I don't think we would be nearly as successful as we are. Wow. So, and also I left out the fact that you have one of the best signs outside of your store on Jewelers Row. Well, thank you. Yeah, that. where did that idea come from to further differentiating yourself? Well, graphically rich. You know, um, there's a saying in advertising, less is more, mm-hmm. uh, as in life in many cases. Right. And um, one of my first uh, big ads was uh, some billboard ads I did on I-95. And I looked at a lot of the advertising on 95, and it has phone numbers, and it has addresses, and, and, and all types of messages. And I said, you know what? When you're driving by at 70 miles an hour, you don't see any of that. What do you see? And what I felt the consumer needed to see from me was unclaimed diamonds. Have you claimed yours? You know, on Jewelers Row. Mm. Simple as that. My name, my, my tag, which is have you claimed yours? Right. And where am I? Well, you don't need to know what 113 South 8th Street is. No, you don't even know where that is. <laughs> right. Where is 113 South 8th? Right. But you know Jewelers Row. Right. So keep it simple. You know, keep it short. Gotcha. So what has been the biggest change for you in terms of doing business and staying in front of eyeballs, so to speak? Oh, uh, obviously digital. Okay. You know, uh, and, and that would go across... Uh, all industries, you know, uh, mine in particular. Jewelry industry, um, I think, has been a, uh, a little slower in adopting to the digital landscape. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the mom-and-pop jeweler um, has been very slow in, in adopting to that. Um, I got involved with computers when, when we were still doing dial-up. <laughs> so I always felt comfortable um, with a computer and, and using technology, you know, even as a younger man. So my first website... Uh, was up mm, 12, 13 years ago. You know, I had a website. And, um, and, and we would market that a little bit with Google, mm-hmm. you know, uh, little by little. And uh, as the industry changed, you know, we saw the, uh, the advent of social media. Well, now you have your Facebook, and first you had MySpace, and right. then you have your Facebook, and you have your Instagram. Um, and you realize that the consumer you're trying to reach now isn't centralized anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was real easy. You had a couple radio stations where your consumer would be listening. Right. You had uh, a few television stations. Right. And within that, maybe a few programs within those stations right. that your consumer was looking at. So it was very easy to pinpoint. Now we get into the digital age. Well, you have cable television. Right. So your consumer is now spread out over a much larger landscape. Um, and you have, even in the audio format, you have a digital radio and you have, um, you have cable radio and you have things like Pandora Door, yeah. and, uh, and, and Spotify. Spotify exactly. and, and things get, again, they get further segmented. Um, radio being a little bit easier because... Uh, within certain markets, uh, certain consumers will still be very loyal to certain stations. When you get into TV and broadcast, that really starts to differentiate. It exactly. gets much broader. So um, it gets uh, 
a lot more challenging to advertise, and you have to be uh, you have to be aware of where <laughs> your consumer is. You have to be aware of what their needs are, what they're looking at. Um, the the beauty about digital, I will say, is that you can laser focus. I mean, you can actually advertise to a zip code, right? Which is remarkable, right? So, um, or to the uh, left-handed single mother that <laughs> right that only drives a Prius. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no question. No question. <laughs> so you can get very, uh, uh, very laser focused in that regard. However, that being said, the landscape ebbs and flows constantly, and it becomes more challenging because there is so much information out there. There is so much advertising coming from so many different um, areas that the consumer becomes bombarded. Right. They become saturated, and saturation now um, um, becomes numbness. Right. And, and the last thing you want is a numb consumer. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I, I would be remiss to, to mention, and I'll end on this, Pioneer in a, in, a, in a space, in an industry, uh, uh, being an entrepreneur, taking the risk that you've taken, uh, being an early adopter, um, I can just, from our conversation, know that you, you have your finger on the pulse of where your consumers are, what they're using, and where you can actually you know, get to them. Mm-hmm. But you don't stop there. You're also involved in the community. No question. You're, 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 you're giving back. And I wanted to end on that note. Um, uh, just t- tell, tell us a little bit about what that means to you and to your team at Unclaimed Diamonds. Well, sure. Uh, any successful business is only successful because of the uh, consumers, the customers that they have patronizing their business. It's as simple as that. Um, I always say to customers when they come in the store, there is no me without you. You know, I am nothing without you. Um, basically, my my reason for being in business, obviously, it's a for-profit business, right. but my reason for being here is to serve you, to provide a product or a service that is beneficial to you, to your life, and to your family. Simple as that. If it was not beneficial and you felt no value in that service, you wouldn't patronize my business. So if I'm if I'm in business for 30 years um, and, and, and still successful, it means that I'm providing value to my customer. And that being said, we've prided ourselves on customer service. We've, uh, in many ways over the years, uh, and, and certainly in the beginning, the customer that would come into my store we felt was very disenfranchised and was not represented well in the jewelry marketplace in Philadelphia. And it was my goal to change that. It was mm-hmm. my goal to be ingratiating and to be extremely welcoming and to let the customer know that they were valued, that, that it wasn't a one-off. It was, I want you back again, and I want you to come in to get your jewelry cleaned free of charge. I wanted to get it serviced. I want you to have a good warranty policy. I want you to feel that I'm here to meet your needs and not just to sell you something but to be part of your life, you know, to meet your needs now mm-hmm. and in the future. 
Right. And you've, you've donated you know, money to scholarships. I mean, well, that is a, that's a whole nother part of it. And with that, yes. And, and with that, um, I felt the need to uh, obviously be involved with UNCF mm-hmm. over the years. I've been involved with the Urban League. I've been involved with local churches and organizations and supporting their um, their bridal ministries, their youth ministries. So you can't be um, you can't be a business uh, in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia community and not be conscientious of uh, the community around you. Uh, so it's beholden to me to take the higher road to help out those less fortunate and to play a bigger role uh, monetarily, if not spiritually, in other people's lives. Fantastic. That's fantastic. I couldn't think of a better note to end on than that. Matthew, thank you so much for sharing for your story and, and, the, and the incredible way that you've uh, 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 taken what was started in your family and, and taken it to the next level. It's been truly remarkable. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. This episode was recorded at Center City Film and Video and produced by Kirsten Brinkos. On behalf of the AdCast team, I'm Lisa Leonard. Thanks for listening.